This is an AMI podcast. You're listening to the Kitchen Confession Podcast with Chef Mary Mammoliti. Chicken breast is really bland on its own, but then when you add flavoring to it, like you add the lemon, you add the herbs, you add the spices, you add the salt and pepper, that is the part of the meal that people are tasting and people are loving. And it's exactly the same with vegan food. It's like, Mm -hmm. instead of like, I always say like tofu is sort of like the chicken for vegans. And so it's like taking tofu and knowing what to do with it. Like, how are you going to marinate it? How are you going to season? it? How are you going to make it flavorful? It's exactly the same thing. And so I think people sort of have to get that out of their mindset. Hi, I'm Mary Mammoliti, the host and co-producer of the Kitchen Confession podcast. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're a subscriber, welcome back. We try to keep each episode under 30 minutes and Matt has to be ruthless in ensuring this timeline is met. Better him than me. I don't know how he does it. Thank you, Matt. Have you ever wondered what happened to the parts of an interview that didn't make it into the published episode? All right, then, let's begin. Welcome to a series called Cut for Time that has quickly become one of our listener favorites. So first up is Hannah Sundarani. Her episode was episode 113, and it was published back in June of 2022. She's the creator of the popular blog Two Spoons, an editor at The Feed Feed, and cookbook author of The Two Spoons Cookbook, which... I want to mention, is filled with over 100 French-inspired vegan recipes. Yep, you heard that right. So Hannah breaks down the common flavor misconceptions around vegan cooking. Take a listen. This misconception that people have about uh, plant-based meals, that they lack in flavor, that is so not true. I know. It's such a misconception. They think they I think when you hear the word vegan, you're like, okay, well, like, what is in like, is this made with like, hay? like, like, what have you put in there? I think people think that the ingredients are going to be super weird. They're almost like hesitant to even try it because they think it's going to taste like completely different from what they're used to. And majority of the time, it's like, like so similar. And sometimes if not better, because one of the things that I notice is like, okay, so let's take chicken breast, for example, Mm -hmm. is chicken breast is really bland on its own. But then when you add flavoring to it, like you add the lemon, you add the herbs, you add the spices, you add the salt and pepper, that is the part of the meal that people are tasting and people are loving. And it's exactly the same with vegan food. It's like, Mm -hmm. instead of like, I always say like, uh, tofu is sort of like the chicken for vegans. And so it's like taking tofu and knowing what to do with it. Like, how are you going to marinate it? How are you going to season it? How are you going to make it flavorful? It's exactly the same thing. And so I think people sort of have to get that out of their mindset that it is bland. It has no flavor. It has no taste because it's really what you add to it. Just like all the other things that you're used to doing that's going to really enhance it and elevate the dish and make it so tasty. Oh, absolutely. What do you remember? The first thing you remember from a meal is the taste, the flavoring. Yeah, exactly. Right? If you're not going to say, oh, that texture was weird. Yeah. That's, that's a secondary type thing. It's the yeah, first thing is always flavor. Taste. Yeah, exactly. Next up is Deirdre Burek, episode 118 titled Peak Season. 
It was published June 29th, 2022. Deirdre is a recipe developer, nutritionist, and recent cookbook author. Her book called Peak Season focuses on local Ontario produce and celebrates some of the finest natural ingredients. Have you heard of pawpaw? How do you cook with sumac? She explains this and breaks it down for us. Oh my God. Okay. Where do we get this unicorn of fruits? <laughs> okay. So some farmers markets will have them um, in Ontario. Okay. Around this time, like look late September, early October. Actually, it'll be all of October. Um, okay. There's a lot of wild foragers that do it. There's a very popular one here in Toronto called Forbes Wild Food Crafters. So they'll tell you about it. A lot of farms are starting to grow them. Pawpaw. Um, Pawpaw. P-A-W. P-A-W. Oh, I got to try this. It's insane. If you've ever tried, like if you've ever been to Mexico and tried a, what's called a wana mm-hmm. or soursop, it tastes very similar yep. to that. They have big seeds in them. Like, um, they're not as big as a pit. But they're like a series of like these big brown seeds in them. Yeah. Um, so you just remove those and it has this like custardy texture to it. Kind of like a softer banana, like a, a blended banana. Yeah. You know what? Now it's coming back to me. I have heard of them, but I have never been successful in finding them. So that is on my to-do list. Okay. You can follow me on Instagram at dburek and I yes. will... I like every year, as soon as they come out, I'm always like the first person to source them <laughs> okay. and, and I will tell people where to get them. <laughs> so yes. And put on my them. notifications. So this yeah. way I know when you're posting. Just outside of Toronto, a lot of highway roads, county roads, you'll see a lot of sumac. So sumac grows like crazy here, which is insane to me that we don't use it as much in our, in our um in our region and it's so tasty okay so here's my question for you with sumac do you use it as a finishing ingredient or do you cook it throughout i uh, so any kind of baking i'll bake bake it in and um for cooking more like savory dishes i will use it as a seasoning so I've done it with, for example, like um, recently I did a recipe for Fresh City Farms and it was a, a roasted chicken and I used sumac as part of the seasoning um, on the, a rub on the chicken itself. So it was like I'm a so honey good. sumac kind of flavor. Now on July 13th, 2022, episode 116, we had a chat with Christine Ha, aka The Blind Cook. She's a restaurateur, cookbook author, and the winner of season three MasterChef. So let's hear from Christine. What are some of your favorite flavor combinations? Hmm. Favorite flavor combinations. Well, you know, we talked earlier in the game. I, I do love mm-hmm. salty things. I'm much more of a salty, savory person than a sweet. Yeah. Um, I, I love the smell of onions or garlic cooking in butter. Um, so oh, butter yeah. melting or butter browning, and then you throw your, your onions in there or you um, cook with mushrooms. Like I think it's those very umami, savory smells that I love. I love mm-hmm. the smell of uh, bread baking. So flavor combos. I mean, I love garlic. I love cilantro. I love fish sauce. Those 
Those are probably the three ingredients I cook the most with on MasterChef. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I just love those flavors. I love the uh, brightness of, of um, I don't know, I guess like, I mean, I'm from Texas, so there's a lot of Tex-Mex and Mexican food here. So I love the brightness of like certain sauces or like guacamole. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just love so many things. I don't know. I'm getting hungry. My stomach's like growling. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you start developing a recipe? Is it is it something that a dish that you've had inspires you and then you want to try and create recreate something similar or... Is it a certain spice or, or flavor? Yeah, I think when I'm at home and I'm trying to cook a new dish, it's, it is about a dish I've had somewhere, whether it's at just a restaurant in Houston or a dish I've had somewhere traveling around America mm -hmm. or even abroad that I'm like, oh, this is really good. I want to try making this at home. And then mm -hmm. what I'll do is I'll try to recreate the dish in a traditional way. And then after I do that, I'm like, is it close to what I had? And then if it is, what can I do to make it even better for me, uh, for my palate? So that's how I create dishes at home. When it comes to creating dishes for the restaurants, it's kind of a different animal because then you're thinking, you have to think from a commercial standpoint. Um, for example, creating dishes there, it's like, what can I cross utilize? What do we have a surplus of? What's in season? Mm -hmm. What is, um, you know, a, a good deal right now? Like, what can you get a good price on right now? What is missing on the menu? What, um, what are people asking for? Uh, so those are the different things that, that motivate me or that speak to when I try to create a dish for the restaurant. So it's kind of a different, you're thinking, I would say, not you are thinking creatively, but first and foremost, you start by thinking through the technical parts and, and what are the needs. You think more from like a marketing, I guess, or a business standpoint when you're creating yeah. dishes for a restaurant. Yeah. And I, I think for me, it's it always starts with if I like it, someone out there will too. Agreed. Right. Yes. Right. 100%. <laughs> mm -hmm. It won't be for everybody, but if you like it, and you, there, there will, will be, be someone, someone. Else that is in your camp too. Yes. We all have cherished food memories, whether it's a scent or a sound uh, that usually gets us and it reminds us and takes us back to a certain time whenever we taste this food or smell it. Do you have a cherished food memory? Yes. Uh, immediately when you started asking that question, I thought of my mom's pho or beef noodle soup. Um, mm. It's a very traditional Vietnamese dish. I feel like everyone everywhere has if they've heard of Vietnamese food, they've probably heard of pho. And it's a, a long dish to make because you're really, you're trying to coax out the, 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 the broth is just, you're, you're coaxing out the flavor from the, the bones being cooked down for many, many hours. And mm -hmm. so it was something that my mom only prepared on the weekends. And so when I smell it now, if I cook it, I always think back to, a Saturday or a Sunday morning and waking up to the smell of pho broth cooking on the stove. And that's a very, very deep memory I have that hits me in a, a visceral mm -hmm. way. Um, another one is a simpler one is actually just the smell of jasmine rice steaming. Like anytime I, I cook jasmine rice in my rice cooker and I mm -hmm. smell it, the smell, the aroma fills the house. I always think of like, my grandma and my aunts and, and my mom too, just like 
rice was all there was always rice you know so you always smell the that smell of the aroma of jasmine rice cooking in the house and so to this day when i smell jasmine rice cooking it really takes me back to the memories of my childhood or even young adulthood when my family would steam rice mm-hmm. for almost every meal and it brings on that sense of comfort which i love yes mm-hmm. yeah like childhood comfort nostalgia all the good stuff Now, to complete our episode, we sat down with Chef Devin Rajkumar. On September 21st, 2022, episode 121, to talk about his mission to create food that modernizes the craft, traditions, and tastes of East and West Indian cuisines. So, he's an entrepreneur, a food expert on Toronto's City TV's daytime television show, City Line, and appeared as a guest judge on Food Network Canada's Firemasters. Now, take a listen to this gem on recipe development from Chef Dev. It's too delicious not to share. I wanted to talk a little bit about this because you created your own line of soups and sauces. So like, where did that idea come from? So, yes and no. Yes, okay. because I've added some amazing skews to that line. And, mm-hmm. and I've helped with the development of other things. But that line was already existing. I... I was reached out to by Mama Foods International, Alex Messina and Gabriel Messina, those Sicilian bros there. They reached out to me and they wanted me to come on board to do menu development. This is probably three years ago now. This is about a year before COVID. So I guess we're looking at 2019, right? Uh, Right. They had a beautiful line. Uh, The things that drew me to them, local family run business, clean ingredient deck, you know, there's no preservatives in what they make. Uh, they source as much local as they can, but in terms of the tomatoes for the just sauce, everything's coming from Italy. It's top shelf quality, you know, extra virgin yeah. olive oil is being used in there, right? Cold pressed. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's, they were really different than, than everyone else out there. They were referred to me. My name had come up several times in them doing the research to find someone we met up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a year later, uh, I came out with these couple soups with them. And then I, then, yeah. then, then shortly after that, I started to represent the whole line. Um, butter chicken sauce is coming out real soon. I'm really looking forward to that. It's exciting. And, uh, I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast, uh, I have all these hot sauces. So we're working on those. We're working on frozen meals and pizzas and a lot of cool stuff's coming. Um, but, and then more soups are coming as well for, for the winter. So I kind of, I think the the fair way, Mm -hmm. I'm a very transparent person, right? And the fair Mm -hmm. way to say it is that, you know, I kind of jumped on board with them. Right. They had their their thing going and uh, they gave me an opportunity uh, for us to grow together and do this thing together and let me partner up. And I'm so grateful for it because with respect to growing my brand, you know, brand visibility, you know, Gabriel told me something in one of the first meetings. He's like, bro, you can open a restaurant, service the GTA. Or he's like, you can get into retail and like service the nation. And I was like, well, he didn't use those words. I said it much cleaner than he did. But um, <laughs> but that but that stuck with you. You know, that stuck with me yeah. for sure. We, we're, we're nationwide with Sobeys. <clears throat> Excuse me, with just soups. So, I mean, people in Kelowna are, like, picking up these soups, right? People message My mm-hmm. buddy just messaged me from Vancouver. He's just outside Vancouver. He just messaged me, you know, people in St. John's, people in Halifax. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was going to the Sobeys in Halifax and, like, seeing my products on the, on the shelf. And I'm like, this is madness. You know, we want to get into the States as well, but uh, it's a beautiful feeling. And uh, again, there were, they had values that aligned with my values, which made it 
which made it uh, a good partnership. But see, immediately when we talk about products, I think of the recipe development. So when you're <clears throat> developing a recipe that is to, to serve at a restaurant, to serve at home, to share with others, does that differ from the recipe that you are creating for a product that needs a shelf life, that needs to be canned, uh, produced, mass produced? Is that recipe process different? Does it differ? I'm, I'm chuckling here. Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. It depends who you're cooking for. Um, I mean, it depends who you're cooking for. I'm eating a lot healthier now than, than I ever have really been in my life. You know, fitness yeah. and health and nutrition, these are all really important things to me these days. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I am eating better. Not always, you know, not always, but I am making a more discerned effort. And that's mm-hmm. being reflected in some of the recipes that I'm doing and stuff like that. And the caterings as well. But um, it, it does it does differ. I mean, I I would like with those soups and sauces, yeah. me personally, I would add more salt to it, you know, um, depending on what we're cooking. Like, I really love my butter. I mean, I don't always cook with like three tablespoons of butter in my food, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I may, I may, depending on what I'm doing, bump the sugar, bump the salt, bump the fat, maybe depends on what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Uh, but, uh, for those products, we have certain parameters with respect to sodium, et cetera, et cetera, sugar that we want to keep it in there. The pH level needs to be there. They're shelf stable, et cetera, et cetera. So those are parameters that we have to work in, in within. However, I talk about this all the time. Yeah. Like I've done so many recipes with my Bombay tomato soup, so many recipes with my Island sweet potato soup. I've done so many recipes with the creamy mushroom with the, the four cheese sauce, you know, with the marinara. I've done so many different things with them. It's just so easy. You can quickly saute, caramelize some ginger, onion, garlic, some chili. You can add in some 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 uh, chopped up chicken thigh, saute, mm-hmm. saute, saute, and then deglaze with one of our soups or sauces. I mean, it's very easy to bump the flavor. So I'm always yeah. encouraging. They're very versatile. Once you, yeah, once even that island sweet potato, like I heat it up in a pot, you can adjust the seasoning, add a nice squeeze of lemon or lime juice, add lemon lime zest. Then you can nice. pour that into a bowl, add a nice dollop of sour cream or Greek yogurt on there. Uh, yeah. You know, finally set some scallions on top of there. Like I always encourage people to make it your own. Yeah, it's one thing to open the jar and pour it into a bowl, yeah, but yeah. it just takes a couple moments for you to add your favorite hot sauce to it. You know, there's, nice. there's, a, there's a lot of room for you to work with. Who's your toughest food critic? <clears throat> Who's my toughest? Uh, I don't know. I mean... Like who will taste something and then be either? Oh, Imran, Imran, Chef Imran. Yeah. Chef Imran Tuxera. Yeah, he's a he's a, a younger chef. I think I think I'm ten years older than him. We first met, um, I think at the big, no, oh, I can't remember now when it was a couple of years ago. It hasn't been terribly long though, but we've done so much together since. So we've done like probably twenty events together, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. done probably 20 days. And there's a lot of events where it's just him and I. He is uh, one of the most talented young chefs that I've ever come across. Um, he started Wanderlust Dining. It's a really, really highly uh, meticulous, highly curated tasting menu, uh, which is his thing, his experiences. He brings him to the plate. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's the harshest critic. I mean, anywhere we go to eat, he's the one person that, like, he'll be always, always, always super critical. And he doesn't falter for anybody or anything. He tells it straight up how it is. 
He's not going to yeah. walk up to a chef or like sit at the table at, with us and be like, this is terrible or this is that. He's mm -hmm. very technical with his words. He's, he states quietly just to me or whatever that might be. Like he's not, he doesn't go yelling stuff around. He'll say what he doesn't like about it. And he's the toughest critic. So I quite frequently love when we're doing our catering. We have a catering coming up on over a hundred people, you know, massive yeah. past apps menu coming up, but uh, we'll be prepping the entire day Saturday heading into Sunday. But, you know, he's he's the, the number one person I want around to be tasting the food because he doesn't sugarcoat. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. Remember, Cut for Time is just a small peek into what goes on around here. I loved hanging out with you. Let's do it again. A new episode of Kitchen Confession Podcast drops bi-weekly on Wednesdays. So make sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. There's always a seat for you at my table. Bye for now.